today, my, my son, Stephen, uh, recently had to change classes in, in school. And um, it's really funny the way he's like, his behavior has changed since he started like in this new class, with the new teacher, which we've known the teacher because she's been like the other teacher. Um, but he changed classes and like, they're just telling us all of these funny things. And my wife came home today. First of all, he's stopped napping, which is maybe a bit of a nightmare, man. I don't know if you remember <laughs> when your kids started to phase out, like, like, I'm like, a part of me is like really excited because it means that you have a lot more freedom in the day, but he's not taking his midday nap anymore. Right. <laughs> he's just like, it's rough. Like he's so tired at night. Um, yeah. And also the, the time that even if it was like an hour nap or 45 minute nap, that's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour that you might've had to do something else and you, you start to count on it. And when that oh, goes man. away, it you totally throws off your schedule. Man, I can't tell you that's that's so real on the weekends. And I love spending time with my kids. You know that that's like my number one priority. But like on the weekends when like something takes away the ability for me to be productive for that two hours that like both boys are asleep or one of the boys are asleep. Like I just feel it in my soul for the entire weekend because like like it and it could be anything. It could be they both fall asleep in the car. So we're like stuck driving around. Um or like they just don't take a nap. And so it's like all this like shuffling. It, it kills you. You're absolutely right. And so we're dealing with that some too. Uh, but we found well, out that like, go ahead. Yeah. Well, since you said it, I have to say it too now. Uh, yeah. I love spending time with my kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. no, everybody, no, everybody loves no, it. No sarcasm in there. I love spending time with my kids, but you're absolutely right. When you lose that time, um, you definitely feel it. There's times in the evening and there's times on the weekend that those are my time. The way that I like to describe it to folks like that are asking like, what's it like to be a parent is, and this is terrible. This is not actually indicative of what it's like to be a parent, but I think about like, you know, that, that like mode you get in where you like complete one thing and like, it sort of like spins you up. And so you like, we just want to be really productive all day long. And so you complete a whole bunch of stuff. Like you've been in that mode before as a parent, like to me, like what being a parent is, is doing that first thing and being like really motivated to be productive. And then that's it. That's the only thing you're doing. And you just have that, like that churn in you. Um, yeah. So that's, like, that's your analogy of being a parent. I remember I told someone, cause somebody asked me, or we were talking, we were on the talking on the subject of like having kids. I said, you want to know what it's like having kids go to a wall and start talking to that wall. <laughs> and then when that wall doesn't do anything, that's what it's like having kids. Oh man, this is not the story I was going to tell you, but Stephen, maybe I've already told you this, but Stephen has gone through like a huge shift since he's turned three. And um, used to, you would ask him to do something and he would just sort of pleasantly ignore you and like be running around in the background. And like, that was okay, right? Like, it's not like what you want and like, but like it happens. And now just recently, probably in the last three weeks, like you'll ask him to do something and he will just look you straight in the face and go, no. <laughs> and you're like, like, that's a completely different level of like defiance. Man, um, he's, uh, he's got some, <laughs> that takes some guts right there. Yeah. Um. So anyways, his, his new teacher, I, he's been skipping his naps and she's telling us that like, he just wants to read books. He just reads books all through nap. And like, so she, she's like, he'll read every book in the classroom like twice. And um, I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you're gonna skip a nap to read, like, I, I'm not gonna knock that. But then Steph comes home today and she tells me that the teacher was telling her that not only is Steven reading the books, but he's reorganizing their library to sort them by category now. 
And so the, like the teacher was like asking one of the other teachers, like, are you doing that? Are you arranging, rearranging the books? And she was all, no, that's Stephen. Stephen's rearranging all of the books. And I'm like, I mean, you know, way to make an impression on your, your new teachers, but you know, maybe. Wait, maybe, wait, uh, how, how old is he again? He's three. He's three. And he can read well enough that he can arrange the books. Like based on like the categories, like these are all like sleepy time books. These are calm down books. These are books about colors, like stuff like that. We do the same. We have, we have the books sorted like that at home. So it's like a pattern he's used to, but like, I mean, I am really proud of him for his ability. Cause like, I, I do think that that's a skill, right? Like you're reading the book and you have to understand it well enough to say like, what category is this book? And so I'm, that's, that's pretty good. I'm pretty proud of him for that, but that's, uh, you know, that's the trade-off of not taking a nap, I guess. So similar to Steven starting a new classroom, starting in a new classroom, has a new teacher. You recently started a new job. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I, um, I started a company called Ulta Beauty. Um, it's funny that there's people that actually aren't aware of it, but, uh, my wife's pretty aware of it. She spends a lot of money there, unfortunately. And I think she's going to spend more money now that I work there. Um, but yeah, I started as, as a lead web developer at the last week of November. And, um, it's something that I'm pretty excited about. I'm going to be able to do a lot of the things that I've wanted to do for, for quite a while now. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about like, your, what is a lead lead developer, Ram? Like, tell us a little bit about the responsibilities there. Yeah. Well, titles and, and responsibilities can vary by company, but uh, what I'm going to be doing at Ulta is overseeing and supporting two teams, two scrum teams. And uh, so they're te- we're tasked with delivering uh, features, of course, that the that the product and the, I mean that the business has, you know, said that they want going forward. Of course, fixing bugs, things like that. But uh, what I'll be doing is helping to eliminate, you know, red tape and and roadblocks and and blockers, those kinds of things, and just really helping to move the team forward. But aside from that, also helping to set standards, standards, and helping to propagate um, good process going forward. Something that we've actually talked quite a bit about in the past. I was, I was going to say, which everybody uh, that has listened to this podcast for any amount of time will know is something you're very passionate about. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really love to hear about how that's going. One of the things we do at work is every engineer that onboards or most engineers that onboard will meet with several folks around the company. This is not unlike what we did at Stored to kind of like get a feel for how the company is shaped. But one of the people that most engineers will meet with is me. And I uh, like, honestly, like it's like 30 minutes. It's a little bit of like speed dating where you kind of get to know them and figure out what they're going. And so like, I'm really curious because generally that doesn't feel like enough time to like build a bond with somebody that I'm just like, it's almost like, like speed dating or just a quick introduction. Like, Hey, here I am. This is what I do. So I'd love to hear how you're like connecting with the team, especially in a remote environment where that can be kind of tough and maybe even seem a little artificial. Yeah, so uh, very much like speed dating in the beginning. Uh, so first of all, anytime you join a new a new company, uh, especially in tech, right? There's tons of uh, information that you're going to get uh, have to get up to speed on. Um, not just uh, documentation processes. You're talking about like technical aspects. You're talking about the business, like how the business actually runs, and and your yeah. part in that. And it's very much like drinking from a fire hose. It's 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 the perfect analogy. You know, I didn't come up with it, but it's it abs- it's the absolute perfect analogy because you can't come up for air is what it feels like. You're getting slammed with information and you're just like, I'm just trying to get some air here. I'm trying to take a break. And 
it can be overwhelming um, if you if you don't handle it correctly, which is something we'll probably talk about here in a second. But if you don't handle it correctly, it can be overwhelming. Uh, so there's that. So one, you're trying to start to learn the business, the organization. And mm-hmm. then second, you're trying to meet people yeah. because, again, you don't work by yourself when you're doing these things. You're, you're part of a team. Um, and uh, Ulta is a larger organization that has thousands of people working with it and for it. Uh, meaning internal and then like there's other contractors and and other agencies and and such. And so you're talking about thousands of people, very similar to like USA, which we both worked at Mm -hmm. before. The startups are a lot smaller. So you might have, you know, 20 people at most that you're going to talk to. And then you can have, you know, maybe another 100 or 200 you're going to talk to in a larger startup. But in enterprise, you're talking about thousands of people. And you have to early on, you have to start to build the network of the people that you're going to work with um, in order to get your job done. And right. so there's kind of like an inner circle and then there's like an outer circle, right? Yeah. The inner circle is the people that you work with on a daily basis or you communicate with on a daily basis. Your outer circle is the people that um, might need to support you in a way to help accomplish those tasks. So um, coming back to the whole speed dating thing, yes, my director um, did get me early on with in some meetings with some folks, let them know, hey, this is what I was brought on to do. This is my role. This is the teams I'm going to support. And the that happens like the first day or two. And when you're when you're taking more of like a senior position or a lead position, you're given more autonomy, or at least at least that's where I am now. I have more autonomy in terms that's of awesome. like organizing that day and building my network. When you're younger, earlier on, a lot of times you're going to have somebody that's going to maybe help guide you. And then also those 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 circles, they're a lot smaller. Yeah, because as a junior or entry level engineer or even a mid level engineer, um, you don't have as much reach. That's just a, just the truth until your responsibilities start to grow. So the role that I took, um, again, two teams, two scrum teams, and there's lots of stakeholders within that as well as the engineering team, the scrum masters for each, and and all those from the product. So even though you get introduced in the speed speed dating type of set up in the very beginning, you don't touch everybody. Yeah. You slowly start to understand what it is you're responsible for. And then you go and you say, okay, in order for me to make, you know, so such and such happen, I also need to know this person. I also need to make an introduction with this person. And those things are, are things that I'm doing on my own at this point is, cool. yeah, we use Microsoft Teams here at Ulta. So, um, you know, you, you just, you just ping someone. You say, "Hey, we need to talk." It's that, it's that, it's really that simple. Um, if I if we were in an office, I'd find out where that person is, set up a meeting, and then we have a face to face like that. Yeah. Do you um do you spend a lot of time like like I think and I know at these at larger companies, I remember at USA that that network effect is really really important. And so, like, I wonder, do you spend a lot of time like building rapport? Like, I I tend to spend when I do these like uh, these sessions with new engineers to the company, I tend to like ask them, like, who are you outside of work? Like, I've got, you know, plenty of time to figure out who you are inside of work. Like, so let's start with who you are outside of work. And so like, do you spend any time on that? Or how do you build rapport with folks so that when you come back to them with the, hey, I need something, or can you help me or something? Or here's what something's happening. Uh, how do you how do you begin to build rapport with folks as a as a new engineer, especially entering in at a leadership level, which is a little different. Yeah, and and also like you mentioned, being remote because that's that's the key there. When yeah. you're in person, uh, when you work at a company and you're like on site, 
and you can go to someone's desk. It's easier to build rapport because they can see you in the person. Um, they can see that maybe you like to drink water. You like to drink soda, right? Uh, it's almost natural that you're going to go to lunch coffee. Together. Yeah. Oh, this mm. person, uh, Ram, he drinks coffee every morning, right? Yeah. But but it's hard to get that over Zoom mm -hmm. or over 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 you know a video conference. And in person, you're, you're going to build those more naturally, and you're going to end up doing happy hours and stuff like that. Yeah. So definitely coming in in this role in a leader leadership position, I definitely have to make sure that I talk to the people that are like my peers. And then those people that are, that are some of the ICs or the engineers doing a lot of the work. And, and I have to build that rapport. And I like that you called that out because um, when you come in from outside of the organization, and I think we've both seen this before in the past, when they hire someone at like a lead level or, or, or let's say it, they brought you in right higher up, or they bring you in as a director or a CTO. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people can ask the question, why didn't they hire somebody from within? Why didn't they promote? Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you, that's, that's a good call out. You want to come in and you need to come in knowing that that's a thing. Uh, yeah. It would be really terrible to just overlook that and just come in and start to say, Hey, I'm this person. Um, I need this and this done. And so yeah, it comes back to the things that we talked about before is come from curious. So let's say I know that I need to reach out to someone. I'll ping them and I say, hi, you know, so-and-so are you um, the lead of this team? Um, and then I'll wait for them to come back. So it's very much like, instead of saying, Hey, you're the lead of this team. I need this from you. Mm -hmm. Hey, I heard that you might be the lead of this team. Is that correct? Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, it's kind of like uh, you know, a warm introduction, really soft. And then I'll ask the question that I'm actually trying to get to. Right. And I'll build that over time. And a lot of times it's, Hey, do you have five minutes, five minutes for a video conference? Yeah. Um, can you give me five minutes? Right. And, and I'll try to be really, aware of that time. If I ask for five minutes, I want to scope it to five minutes. Now, if they want to keep going, then we'll keep going. But you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I'll do is I'll tell them at the very least where I'm from. Hi, I'm yeah. Ram and I'm, I'm based in Texas. It's hot down here, you know, try to, um, you know, lighten the mood with someone, let them know that I'm easy to talk to. And, <laughs> and then I'll, well, hey, if you need anything, you know where to reach me, right? Just really putting that out there making sure that they don't feel that you're somebody who's um, standoffish and difficult to talk to. Yeah. And like the thing that I want to highlight here and maybe something that I've definitely uh, softened on over time, maybe this is your influence is like those warm introductions are really, really important. Just like the, it used to drive me crazy when people would ping me on Slack and be like, Hey, how are you today? I'm like, that's not the question you want to ask, but I will tell you now that that is so valuable and so important. Even like the, like what you're talking about, like, Hey, I'm from Texas. It's hot. Here's kind of what my, like you might hear kids in the background and I'm, I'm always here if you need me. Like those things are really, really important. So definitely uh, love that. I want to ask you kind of, okay. So like you've, you've acclimated yourself to the teams you are in the process of doing that, but obviously that's not your whole job. You're there to set standards, make changes, um, and, and help drive the team. Right. And so like, you also have this other sort of technical responsibility. And, uh, I want to hear how you begin to acclimate to, to that, to the code base, to the systems, to like the, you know, the applications that your organization or teams own. Absolutely. So just to give some context, I've been there for two weeks now. And in those two weeks, I haven't pushed any code. 
Amazing. But that's 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 strange. I know somebody listening to this say, "What? You've been at a company for two weeks and you haven't had a PR merged? Yeah. Bananas, right?" I I want to make sure we we come back to that because uh, well you know you know I have some uh, some skeletons yeah. in the closet there and, and you have to know that that's intentional so we'll come back to that yeah. but um so one of my responsibilities is to give feedback on PRs right um you know whether it's meeting the business standards or it's going to break the business rules or it's just going to break our standards from a technical uh, standpoint right so meaning. Um, we don't have, I'll use the obvious one. We don't have like nested ternaries, right? One that, uh, yeah. It's kind of obvious, you know, it's, it's difficult uh, long-term to maintain. So make sure that some, aside from having a linter rule, which is pretty obvious, making sure that that doesn't get into production, right? So that's that's really simple. That's part of the job is is um, commenting and, and asking for uh, uh, changes on PRs and, and then also approving them. But ultimately I'm going to own these two code bases or this uh the code that goes in from these two scrum teams mm -hmm. and if i'm going to own something and i'm going to be responsible for it then um everybody has to know that i'm going to see everything that goes in for it and then i'm going to have you know a comment on it or whatever but you can't you can't come in so strong and just do that immediately because you know you got to remember these people have been there for you know months or years before mm -hmm. and there's there's a there's, you know, you people get used to things and, and you do that. So last thing you want to do is just come in and basically set uh, set a bad precedent where, hey, Ram, he just, you know, he doesn't really care how we've been doing things. And so that's not what I want to do. You got to earn trust. Yeah, you absolutely have to earn trust right absolutely. away. And one of the ways you do that is by understanding what it is that they're building. Right. Yeah. Um, so I've got to pull the code. I've got to get it running locally. I've got to see how difficult it was to do that. Um, I have to be able to understand the code and the patterns that are there. How does this work high level? Um, before I even look at, you know, and looking at the PRs also helps me to understand the code base and understand what we're building, right? Because I can see where yeah. we were and where we're going. Um, there's also tons of documentation. Um, so like companies, whether large or small, usually put together some documentation on their process or their standards, their coding standards. They'll say, hey, when we write CSS, this is what we, how we write it. When we write yeah. you know, React, this is how we write it. And so you've got to do that. And if those patterns have already been set, even if they're not exactly the way that you write code, those are the patterns. And, and it's more on you to adopt to what's already there. Yeah. Now, yeah, in you know, six months or three months, you might make a change. But that's, we're not even at that yet, right? It's more about me understanding what they're building and how they're building it and how it's built so far. Um, so that way I can understand how I can help the team. So that, that's that's where I'm at right now. Awesome, awesome. Do you, because you're kind of a, something we've never talked about on here is you're kind of a, a dev tools guru. Do you have any like specific dev tools that you use to start helping you navigate a code base or anything like that? Uh, like I know I use Lean and more recently AppMap to like start to understand dependency trees within within a code base. Do you use any tools like that? No, um, the only one I really use uh, in the in the browser is of course like the React um, components and profiler. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good one. We're not we're not using Redux, so I don't have to worry about that here. Awesome. Um, but what I'll do is I'll just kind of start at like whatever the 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 base of the application is, whether it's like index or main or app or whatever. And I'll just kind of start to look at what that configuration looks like. I'll open up the um, the uh, the application in the browser. 
And I'll start to look at it from that way, you know, whether it's the React um, profiler. And I'll start to see how things are rendered um, and organized in that way. And the also, also the other way is looking at the actual code structure to see how it's organized um, that way. And I'll usually find a component um, in the browser, and then I'll go into the code base and start to follow that. And mm. see if I can if see if I can track it all the way down to the last child. Yeah, that's good. That's a good tip. That's not something I do. Um, that's a pretty good one. I'm gonna have to remember that. Let me ask. So you're getting into the code base. You're interacting with people. You're looking at PRs, and maybe you have, or maybe you haven't decided. Like, what's the first thing to change? And I think if you've decided, that it's not important. What I want to hear is like, how do you decide? the first thing that you're going to change that could be on the people side the process side the technology side like how do you start to decide like you're you're coming from curiosity but curious but you're you're taking notes and or noting things that are like ah you know nested ternary or whatever uh, how do you decide like okay i know the thing like i'm starting to curate a list of here's the backlog of things we have to do differently it's not, I wanted to first say that it's not always a technical thing that you want to change mm -hmm. first. Right. Sometimes it's a, it's a process. Um, and sometimes that process is like um, an agile ceremony or uh, like maybe the way we do standup, maybe the types of statuses that are given during standup. Um, so I'll give you an example. At, I remember when we were at uh, USA and I was running the, the cohort there. It's really easy to get into a pattern of where you just basically, we talked about this before in one of the older podcasts uh, when we talked about standups was it's really easy to get into that pattern of, hey, you know, I'm working on the same thing I worked on yesterday, you know, no blockers or whatever. Right. And that's 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 a really like empty status. I don't yeah. really know what you did. I don't even know if you worked on it or not. And so a lot of times it'll be, you know, if I'm if I'm seeing that and I'm not saying I'm seeing that here, but if I'm seeing that that's one of the first things I want to change. Give me some meat in that status. Like, what did you actually work on? If you're, you know, I'll use the button example, right? If you're building a button, yeah. um, did you, are you testing the button today? Yesterday you built it today, you're testing it, th that kind of thing. Right? right. So give me some meat. And so it's not always a technical thing. Um, and because sometimes like the process comes first, imagine that not everybody's joining standup. Yeah, because I've se seen that one before. Not everyone mm -hmm. joins standup, and then when you get to that person, they've got four or five open stories, and well, you can't get a status, and other people are waiting on the status. So that's that's definitely one that I would address right away. Gotcha. That's that's good. Yeah, and it's important to call out, like you said, um, not every ever not everything's a technical problem. At USAA, one of the things that I learned from a really brilliant process engineer was like the PPTI framework. And like, it's like, when you change, like you've got people, processes, tools, and information. And so like, you've got to actually find out where the problem is and solve like in that matrix or else you're like, you can't solve a people problem with technology. You you have to solve it with people. Um, and so that's, that's really good to call out. And so like the next thing I kind of want to ask is again, you got this backlog of changes. And before I ask it, I want to tell a story or an anecdote of um, myself and like the, my question is how do you cadence change and especially how do you cadence like change delivery a little bit of change management but also about like how do you set expectations around your workflow and I asked that question as someone like I think you've maybe even been on the receiving end of this advice uh, but I used to tell people 
to find a way to add value your very first week. Um, that could be, you know, submitting a PR or jumping on an on-call call. And transparently, I don't think I agree with that advice anymore. And so, like, I want to hear from you, like, what you're thinking these days now that you're, uh, you know, uh, all grown up and a real boy or whatever uh, in terms of that. But yeah. also just like, how do you how do you cadence delivery to like not just set expectations for the people around you, because that's what we're doing, but also to manage your own uh like I'll tell you that what I do is I get into a company and I'm really excited and I deliver, 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 and mm-hmm. I'm burnt out. And now it's like six, nine months later and I'm having to deliver at that same cadence because that's the expectation that I set. Like that's not their fault. That's my fault. But I can't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah, that's you know, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that anybody takes away from this episode is that is you know, setting expectations for yourself when you when you join a new company. And I love that you call that out because it's very much in the past, it's very much the way that I approach things too. Like some of the last companies that I just left, I would get in there and be, basically be how quickly can I get a PR up, yeah. right? To prove my value. Mm-hmm. But but what that does is that sets a it kind of sets a bad precedent because it's saying that oh this person ram man this guy he can deliver and he got up to speed super quick right and and they expect that so and, you can't and you the can't go thing, back on it once you do that yeah and and something you said just now and I'm so sorry to interrupt me but like or interrupt you but like one thing you said right there is you set like this precedent that like oh that ram he got up to speed that quick or that Randy they're up to speed and the truth is that usually when I'm doing that, I'm not up to speed. And so like that might not even be an ideal solution. It's like, I'm so hungry to add value that I don't even have the full context yet. And uh, that's dangerous in and of itself. (laughs) That's all these things you said are true, but yeah. um, You set this, you set this pattern. Hey, this person's fast, right? They're good. They're sharp. And and they already know that because that's why they hired you. But then what happens is they expect it, right? And you, and you can and you can't really turn it back at that point. It's, it's really hard. And so what I've learned over time is to set more realistic expect, expectations. So I don't want to have a PR up until I more fully understand what it is that we're building together and how to implement that change based on the standards that have already been set by the organization because they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second is, if I deliver really fast, then guess what ca- happens next? Hey, when's your next ticket going to be delivered? Mm-hmm. And then and then you're going to have two or three tickets at a time, and then four tickets at a time, and then five tickets at a time. You have five tickets on the board, and you're working all of them at the same time, but you can't possibly be working all of them at the same time. You're just running yourself into burnout. I, I've yeah. You've done it. I've done it. We're not the only ones that have done it. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a bad thing to establish from the get-go and it's it's better to come in and and take your time and if they're asking where you're at i'm i'm reading this documentation i'm learning this and that way when you that way you deliver at a more realistic uh pace that's you know uh pace is a whole nother like podcast like we could talk about pace for hours because there's a problem with it there's a problem yeah. with a too slow of a pace and there's a problem with a too fast of a pace, right? It's like Goldilocks. You got to find that, <laughs> that sweet spot right yeah. in the middle. So I have not pushed code. I don't have a PR up. And I'm doing the things that I need to do in this role 
And that's not the priority. The priority is for me to understand how I can help this organization. Yeah, that's so important to say too, is that it's like what you're delivering. It's so important not to just have expectations around like your delivery cadence, but like what is the expected deliverable? Like those that expectation management at a new job is really, really important. And you just called that really well. Like if you're not expected to deliver code and like now you're like, oh, I'm going to push a PR or whatever. Like, I mean, that not is not like that might not only be not adding value, but it might be communicating like a misunderstanding of the role to the people around you. So making sure that like, I mean, you know this, I like to sort of ask like, you know, what does this role look like in 30, 60, 90 to kind of give me an idea of like, what is, what am I working on in the first 90 days that I'm there? What are my delivery expectations? But I also really suffer from the problem of, and I've, I've done it at every job I've been at, like, let me get in there and get into the code base. And now I sort of think like, deliver it the cadence that I will be able to deliver at in a year because that's sustainable. That means I can I can deliver it for the entire next year over, you know, all of the other stuff that happens. Instead of being maybe overly optimistic about the capacity to rapidly change a code base. Like I think that's also really important is to understand that like change management means making change manageable. I don't got nothing else to say. <laughs> well man, um <laughs> This is this is a great chat. I'm really excited to hear how things go. I know uh, the experience has been very positive so far. Like I've, I've, we've been chatting in the side, and like I know you're uh, enjoying what you're what you're working on. And so, congratulations to you for this job. And like we didn't even really talk about it, I don't think. But like this is a role that really leans into some of the things we've talked about on this podcast about where you want your career to go next. And so um, it's pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing hearing how it goes. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. All right. Take care.